You're about to listen to a message from the Father's Church. The Father's Church is an assembly of believers committed to revealing the fatherhood of Almighty God to this generation through sound biblical teachings and corresponding moral conduct. This message will challenge, encourage, and propel you to fulfill your purpose and live that life that God originally designed for you as revealed in His Word. Be blessed as you listen. the Lord. We are happy to be alive and well. The Bible says that to him who is joined to all the living, there is what? For a living dog is better than? Aha. Uh -huh. Come on now. So are you alive? A living dog is better than a dead lion. When a lion is alive, you dare not go close to a lion. But when he dies, you can jump on it. You can kick it. There's no more hope for the lion. So you that you are joined to the living, there is still hope for you. God has not written you off. Hallelujah. Things can change even today. Because you are joined to the living, therefore there is hope for you. So I want you to lift up your eyes to him this morning. Even as we go into his word. And just commit this time into his hands. And ask that the Lord will open the eyes of your understanding. Because you are joined to the living, there is hope for you. You shouldn't keep quiet at any point in time. You should be speaking. You should be glorifying God. You should be exalting his name. Because God is good and his mercy endures forever. Hallelujah, somebody. Amen and amen. Okay, so... We're going to the word of God. I just wanted to mention Matthew chapter 19 verse 22. Where the governors took their theme from. But the part that I'm interested in. I don't know why everybody keeps going back to that man that went away sorrowful. And honestly it's been in my heart. Even when Pastor Livingstone, when you were praying on Wednesday. I just said, ah, did Pastor Livingstone enter my heart? Because it's been strong in my heart. He says, but when the young man heard that saying... That Jesus said he should sell everything that he has and come follow him. He went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. You know, it's easy for you and I to judge that man. I hope you know. I don't know if God were to appear to me now and say, Chinese, give me your car, give me your this, give me your that. Give me all your gold, give me all your money. Think about it. So that we're not quick to judge others. Is there anybody here now that if pastor were to stand here under the unction of the Holy Ghost and says to you, the Lord says, release everything that you have. Will you give? You know, you won't give all. You might give some and then keep back like Ananias and Sapphira. When you consider it, then you will not be too judgmental. What you will do is that you will go back and you will pray and you will ask God to help you. Praise the Lord. Let me read us the scripture. Matthew chapter 13 verse 10. And I want it in the Passion Translation. Okay, Matthew 13 verse 10 to 18. Okay, let's read. It says, then his disciples approached Jesus and asked, Why do you always speak to people in these hard to understand parables? He explained, you've been given the intimate experience of insight into the hidden mysteries of the realm of heaven's kingdom. 
but they have not. For everyone who listens with an open heart will receive progressively more revelation until he has more than enough. But those who don't listen with an open, teachable heart, even the understanding that they think they have will be taken from them. That's why I teach the people using parables, because they think they're looking for truth. Yet because their hearts are unteachable, they never discover it. Although they will listen to me, they never fully perceive the message I speak. The prophecy of Isaiah describes them perfectly. Although they listen carefully to everything I speak, they don't understand a thing I say. They look and pretend to see, but the eyes of their hearts are closed. Their minds are dull and slow to perceive. Their ears are plugged and are hard of hearing. And they have deliberately shut their eyes to the truth. Otherwise, they would open their eyes to see and open their hearts to hear and open their minds to understand. Then they would turn to me and I would instantly heal. Praise the Lord. Let's just stop there, please. So the point I want to bring out from here is that revelation is progressive. Somebody say that to yourself. Revelation is progressive. Even when Bible says that we beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, we're being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, even by the spirit of God. So the more you behold him, the more you learn of him, you become more like him. So revelation is always progressive. That's why we have the Old Testament, then we have the new. Because in the Old Testament, you know, we have so many examples. But in the new, God began to give us more light, more revelation. So had that man who went away sorrowful, had he stayed just a little while longer, he may have understood what Jesus meant. Praise the Lord. So that's why the disciples went to Jesus and they were asking, why do you say these hard things? Things that when people hear, they are confused, they don't understand. And Jesus began to tell them that to them it has been given to understand the mysteries. And it has been given to you because you're believers. Praise the Lord. Say it has been given to me. Yes, it has. Because that's why you're here. And that's why you're seated in his presence. That's why you didn't just come for praise and worship and check out. I know some people after praise and worship, they might go outside and be gisting. But that's why you're seated in here. Because you want to hear. Because you want to understand. Now these people, Jesus was referring to the Pharisees. They were not interested in knowing Jesus. They were hearing him. But their hearts were not open. So what happens is that when you come to God, if your heart is not open to receive, then every word he speaks to you will be annoying to you because you didn't prepare your heart before you came. So my prayer is that our hearts are prepared today. That's what happened to that man. Because when you contact Jesus, you cannot live sorrowful. It's impossible. Even from his birth, when the announcement was made, and the angels appeared to, to the shepherds in Luke chapter 2. Bible said that they were afraid. And he said to them what? Fear not. For I bring you good tidings of great joy. The gospel is what? Good news. Every time the gospel comes, it's bringing you glad tidings of great joy. If you sit long enough under the anointing, you will receive. And you will not go back the same. In the name of Jesus. Praise the Lord. So that's why we're here. And if you came, um, the Bible says in Hebrews 11 verse 6, 
It says, he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. In other words, you don't have to come to him. Do you understand? There are people now who are drinking akamwan and eating akara in their homes. I hope you know. While you're here seated in church, some people are at home chilling. Some people are in some awkward places. But you chose to come. And so when you come, you must then believe that he is. For you to come to him, you must believe that he is. And that he's a reward of them that diligently seek him. Praise the Lord, somebody. I wrote something that I said, if you leave his presence sad or sorrowful, it means you did not really experience him. You didn't connect. Because if you connect, you will contact him. And then you would collect. As they say, when you connect, you will collect. You will receive. You will be transformed in his presence. Zacchaeus was one man who heard that Jesus of Nazareth was passing by. And Zacchaeus ran and he wanted to see Jesus. Unfortunately, he was of a very short stature, short man. He could have turned back to say, people have blocked my view. No, but he kept going. And then he now climbed a sycamore tree. You know, that scripture is amazing. Please, let's just quickly look at it. Luke chapter 19. I need us to look at it so that you will know that God knew you, that you were going to be here today. Praise the Lord. And so I don't want you to live here anyhow. I want you to live here having had an experience this morning in the name of Jesus. Luke chapter 9. Let's quickly read eight verses. It's good to read the word of God. It says, now behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus who was a chief tax collector and he was rich. And he sought to see who Jesus was, but could not because of the crowd for he was of a short stature. So he ran ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him for he was going to pass that way. And when Jesus, please, let's read that part together. And when Jesus what? And when Jesus came to, did you see that? And when Jesus came to the place, the question is, what was that place? And when Jesus came to the place, what did Jesus do? Please, let's read. He looked up and saw him and said to him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down for today I must stay at your home. Hi. When Jesus came to that place, when Jesus came to the Father's church today, he knew that you would be here. Hi. He knew that Zacchaeus would be up on the sycamore tree. He came to that place. That place of, I'm careful not to use the word encounter because I checked that word in the dictionary and it doesn't mean what we think it should mean. If you go home, check it. You'll be disappointed. But he came to that place where he had already designed and destined for Zacchaeus to be at that time. And then he stopped there and he looked up and Zacchaeus was there. How many times has the Lord come to the church and he planned that you would be there. But he looked up but you were not there. Because when he saw Zacchaeus, he said, Zacchaeus, he says, make haste and come down for today. I must stay at your place. Zacchaeus was excited. He was joyful. He says he made haste and received him joyfully. And then 
you know how they are always naysayers they said ah. he said what is this one he has gone to be a guest with a man who is a sinner this man that we know if you came here a sinner I pray that you don't live here a sinner in the name of Jesus after when they said that verse 8 Zacchaeus stood up this man knew that salvation had come to his house and he said to the Lord look Lord I give half of my goods to the poor those were the things they were accusing him of when he came into the presence of God he let go he didn't even wait for Jesus to ask him unlike the man who left his presence sorrowful that one was asking Jesus what must I do to have eternal life and Jesus began to tell him his heart was not right had his heart been right he would have asked him Lord how can this thing be if I follow you now I go to the shop I go still get car will I still be able to you know but he just left but Zacchaeus did not wait to be asked to be told he stood up and he said before you people hinder me from receiving my salvation today I give half of my goods to the poor and if I have taken anything from anyone by false accusation I restore how many fold after that what will remain you have given half and then the people you, you stole money from you've given them fourfold all that remains will be Jesus hallelujah hallelujah and Jesus said to him today salvation has come to this house because he also is the son of Abraham and today salvation has come to the father's church because the, we are the sons and daughters of Abraham hallelujah that we are the sons and daughters of of God hallelujah thank you Jesus so I said all of that to say that you can't not come into God's presence and leave the same way you came we've said it too many times that to people it sounds like a cliche it's something they always say oh don't you will not leave here the same way you came but it is possible for you to live here way better than you came hallelujah somebody praise Jesus Psalm 16 verse 11 let's read together everybody you will show me the path of life in your presence is fullness of joy at your right hand are pleasures forevermore you will show me the path of life there's a path of life and that path of life is found in the presence of God and that's why you must never you know despise his presence no matter what you must strive to come into his presence and I don't mean that his presence is only when we come to church even in your prayer life in your prayer time you must struggle, strive to enter in. Because you can pray. You're just praying. You can pray to fulfill all righteousness. But you can also pray to connect with him. And when you get to that place, you will know. Nobody needs to tell you. You will know that you're in his presence. Hallelujah. So he says, you will show me the path of life. 
in your presence is fullness of joy the joy that is found in the presence of God is not transient it's not ephemeral it's not something that you feel today and then tomorrow it's gone no it's a permanent joy it's a joy that is full it's not 50 percent it's a hundred percent the joy of his presence praise the Lord there's something I saw that somebody wrote he said in the fullness of joy there is no sorrow worry doubt or fear there's just an abundance of love of peace and goodness he says that's what we get when we pursue Jesus hallelujah note that he said when we pursue Jesus not when we pursue things oh but when we pursue who hallelujah so Philippians chapter 4 verse 4 it says rejoice in the Lord always again I will say rejoice why is Paul saying rejoice in the Lord because he didn't just say rejoice he could have just said rejoice and in, in any case you would just you know you will rejoice only when you feel like it but he says rejoice in the Lord always why because God is the only constant I don't like to use thing for God God is the only constant in life every other thing is subject to change circumstances can change your financial situation can change you know everything around you can change but God remains it says Jesus Christ the same yesterday today and forever doesn't change it's constant he says I am the Lord I change it not what he said then he's still saying what he did then he's still doing and that's why he says let your rejoicing be in the Lord the Bible says for the Lord is good and his mercy endures forever so you're rejoicing in the one who is good you're rejoicing in the one who has all power you're rejoicing in the one who can do all things you're rejoicing in the one who's omnipotent omnipresent omniscient that's the one you're rejoicing in so your joy is not in mundane things because as much as I like my car in maybe five six years time I might now look at it and be wondering ah, what did I ever see in this car because they would have had maybe newer models of the car or maybe a dress that you thought was all that and then all of a sudden ah, did I really wear this oh my god but let your rejoicing be in the Lord now does it mean that we don't appreciate things no we do when God gives us something we give thanks for what he has given but we make sure that our rejoicing remains in the Lord just so that if anything else changes you will not despair praise the Lord somebody so I back this up because I was saying hi if I come and read Philippians over this it's something we hear all the time now rejoice in the Lord again I will say rejoice but Philippians 3 1 says finally my brethren rejoice in the Lord for me to write the same thing to you is not what it's not tedious but for you it is what it is safe it is safe for us to hear these things it's for our own good it's for our benefit it's because God loves us 
So he constantly says to us, rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord. Let your rejoicing be in the Lord. If something, if there's a disappointment, you would feel it, but it will not be able to steal your joy because your joy is in the Lord. Hallelujah. Jesus said in John 15 verse 11, says, these things I have spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. I don't know if you've already guessed what we're talking about this morning is the joy of the Lord. That's what I've come to share with us this morning. That's what the Lord laid in my heart. Joy is an essential part of the Christian life. The fruit of the Spirit. The Bible says in Galatians chapter 5 verse 22, says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. Notice that it doesn't say the fruits. Because the fruit of the Spirit is one fruit. And that fruit is love. And then he has components. If I can use, if I'm permitted to use that word. Okay? So these are the things that make up love. Joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. In 1 Corinthians 13, it begins to tell us that love is patient. Love is kind. Love rejoices over good, right? So joy... The Bible says, it says the kingdom is not in eating and drinking. But in what? In righteousness, peace, and what? Joy in the Holy Ghost or in the Holy Spirit. So you can see that as awesome, as great, as important, as essential, as righteousness is, it doesn't stand alone. Praise the Lord, somebody. So righteousness is key. Righteousness is foundational righteousness is essential but it does not stand alone there has to be peace and there has to be joy in the Holy Spirit because when you have that joy then we know that you're a complete believer have you seen Christians who do not have joy you can't minister to anybody because they cannot see anything in you that makes them want to be like you. Hallelujah, somebody. Joy is an essential part of the Christian life. Joy is by revelation. Can you repeat that? In other words, joy is not something that hangs in the air. A lecturer was telling the students, he said, he said a degree is not something it's not a mango that you pluck from the tree. A degree. No matter how tall you are, you can't just do like this and collect a degree. You have to go to school. So joy is by revelation. If it's not by revelation, then you are just happy. And that is temporal. Joy is by revelation. Ephesians chapter 3. Let's read 3 to 4 talks about how that by revelation yes this was Paul speaking he says how that by revelation he made known to me the mystery as I have briefly written already by which when you read you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ it is by revelation if it's a fruit of the spirit then it has to be by the spirit you have to download it by the spirit you have to ask the Holy Spirit to explain it to you Otherwise, what you will have is just 
you know, happiness. Not happiness in terms of somebody's name, please. There are two different things. I'm not talking about someone's name. I'm talking about a feeling. Praise the Lord. So it doesn't come naturally. You download it, you know, from the Spirit of God. Because we naturally react to things. If someone steps on you now, ah, I like that. You see the way to solo her. That is what I will do to you. I just walk and now step on me. Whoa. What's basbos? I've been asking them, what's that basbos? You give me, I give you, right? Step on me, I step on you back. That's the natural reaction. When you receive a news that is unpleasant and you don't understand what we're talking about, you can react in such a way that you can quickly go into depression just because of the news that you received. If you're in a relationship and the man or the lady decides, I've seen something better than you and jills you. If you don't understand this joy we're talking about, you will feel that your life is now over because one stupid man looked at you and decided you were not good enough for him. Or one silly girl looked at you and decided you don't have anything to offer me. If you understand this joy, then you will know that the Bible says that he who finds a wife finds a good thing and does what? And obtains favor from the Lord. So he has just missed what? He just missed favor. So what you should do is that you should go down on your knees and be Lord, please have mercy on him. Show him another favor. It's not for you to now become despondent. And then you now be discouraged. He rejected me. Do you know why he rejected you? Because on that path, he says he will show you the path of life. All of a sudden, you're following the Lord. This guy realizes, hey, this girl, she's too much for me. Too much in the sense that I can't handle her spirituality. So he takes off and it's heaven that is orchestrating it. So instead of you to rejoice that God has helped you not to take a wrong path, then you start crying. They left you. When you ought to be rejoicing. If you understand this, then you will rejoice. There's a man, a friend of ours, Reverend Olodola, very close to Pastor and I those days. We went to visit him in Atlanta. No, not well, we were in Atlanta. So we went to a church. I, th I think it was either TD Jakes' church, one church, no, Bishop Eddie Long. And then when we entered the church, we were wondering why ah, there are seats here, nobody's sitting down. Well, me, I don't like to sit at the back. I don't know about you. I feel when I sit at the back, it's a lot of distraction for me. So I want to be in front. We saw the empty seats and we just went and ah, we just sat down. And then they were watching us. They noticed that we were talking. And then they now came to us to say that this section is for the deaf and dumb. Because when we sat down, they didn't say anything. But when they now saw us talking at Jesus, they came to us. They said, this, this, this is for deaf and dumb. Inside me, because I used to be easily embarrassed. I, I felt, you know how people are looking at you. Then you will now get up. 
That's why they say when you go to any place, don't rush to the front to go and sit down at the back. Wait for them to bring you. Except you're a pastor here, or you are <laughs> just come like this. You balance. Say, "Become on me." She says, "Doesn't like to say." You see, they come here and say, "This place is for pastors." So when they said that, and we got up, beside me, I say, "Shame." See all these people looking at us. You know what Reverend Lord Dollar said? He just got up and said, Oh, hallelujah. Thank God we're not deaf and dumb. When he said it, I said, I said, Yes, so thank God. I wanted to feel shame. But the man saw the goodness of the Lord in that seeming um, embarrassment. Praise Jesus, somebody. So, joy, I said, is by revelation if you don't understand it by revelation you will miss it let's just read this scripture Nehemiah chapter 8 verse 9 to 12 okay it says and Nehemiah who was the governor Ezra the priest and scribe and the Levites who taught the people said to all the people this day I can't hear you is holy to the Lord your God do not mourn nor weep for all the people wept when they heard the words of the law. Then he said to them, Go your way, eat the fat, drink the sweet, and send portions to those for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy to our Lord. Do not sorrow, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Please let's keep going, 11 and 12. So the Levites quieted all the people, saying, be still, for the day is holy. Do not be grieved. And verse 12. And all the people went their way to eat and drink, to send portions and rejoice greatly. Because what? They understood the words that were declared to them. By revelation, when they heard the reading of the law, they started to cry. I don't know what portion. It may be that they were just, you know, I don't know what kind of tears, you know, whatever it was. But Nehemiah told them, this is not a day to weep. It's not a day to mourn. The people now finally understood the words that were declared to them. I say again to you that joy is by revelation. The Bible says that to everything there is what? A season. There's a time to dance. There's a time to refrain from dancing. There's a time to cry. There's a time to laugh. There's a time to give in marriage. There's a time not to give in marriage. But by this time was a time for them to actually rejoice. For he said, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. It's not a time to be moody. And this is Thanksgiving service. It's not a day for you to be, you know, it's melancholy the, the right word to use it's not a day for that it's a day for you to be vibrant praise the Lord and that's why Paul kept praying for revelation always praying for the people because Paul had come into this revelation and so he would kneel down and pray for believers that they themselves that the eyes of their understanding may be enlightened so that they will know the hope of his calling he wanted us to come into that place where nobody needs to push you or to prod you or to say do this or that 
but by revelation you know what you should do but time I recommend that you always pray Ephesians chapter 1 from 15 to the end I recommend it I also recommend I'm not saying please don't think that I'm saying don't read any other part of the Bible remember I said pray prayed Colossians 1 when we were in Bible school they called it the Pauline prayers Colossians chapter 1 from verse 9 to I think maybe 13 or so 14 read where it says that you may be filled with the knowledge yes of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding it's important so that you will know how does he say it that you may walk worthy of the Lord isn't that what we've been learning in Sunday school walking worthy of the Lord fully pleasing him and being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God strengthened with all might according to his glorious power for all patience and long suffering with what praise the Lord and then Ephesians chapter 1 begins to say that God grants us the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him the eyes of our understanding being enlightened being flooded with light so that you and I will know what is the hope of his calling what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints and then Ephesians chapter 3 very important also that you prayed from verse 14 yes 14 it says for this reason I bow my knees to the father of our Lord Jesus Christ from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. The part I'm interested in is that he would grant you to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man. That Christ may dwell in your heart through faith. That you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints. What is the width? What is the length? What is the depth? What is the height? To know the love of Christ which passes knowledge. That you may be filled with all the fullness of God very important you pray these prayers God begins to give you understanding and so you become wiser than even your teachers than your contemporaries because when people are going this way you know per time what the spirit wants you to be doing praise the Lord somebody so another thing that I have here is that joy is a choice can you repeat that Joy is a choice. 118 verse 24. This is something we, we say all the time. Psalm 118 verse 24. This is the day the Lord has made. Can we say it? This is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Okay. So this is the day the Lord has made. Nobody is arguing that. You can't argue that the Lord did not make this day. It's not suggestive. There's no confusion about it. God is the maker of today. So it's more of an announcement. It's more of a declaration. That this day, God made it. So the choice is yours. He said, this is the day the Lord has made. No question about it. Now the question is, what are you going to do? As for them, they said, we will rejoice and be glad in it. We will rejoice. That is your choice. To rejoice and be glad in the day the Lord has made is your choice. And you know, nobody can choose for you. 
Even God told them in Deuteronomy. He said, I set before you life and death. From verse 15, Deuteronomy 30. You see, I have set before you which day? I have set before you today, what? Life and what? Good. Death and evil. Go to 19. He says, I call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you that I have set before you what again? Life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore what? When he says choose life, that's an advice. They're suggesting to you that this is what you should choose. So when they say rejoice in the Lord always again, I will say rejoice. That's what they suggestion. It's an advice that they're giving you. That this is what you should do. But then the choice is yours. Paul and Silas, they found themselves in prison. In Acts chapter 16 verse 25. Prison is not a place where they praise God. These were followers of Jesus. These were people that had been going about preaching the gospel. But they took them and locked them up in prison. But what did they do? It says, but what? Let's read it. You have to learn to read. But that, what happened? But at midnight, what do you do in the midnight hour? Do you pray and praise God? Do you sing hymns? Do you rejoice in the Lord your God? Or do you cry? They had a reason to be sorrowful. They had a reason to be angry, not just with God, everybody. But they chose to pray. They chose to sing hymns. They chose to rejoice in the Lord. So I said, it is your choice. God has given man the power of choice. Right from the Garden of Eden. When he told them, you see everything here, you can eat. But you see this particular tree that is in the middle of the garden. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil don't touch it did he stop them no you have the power of choice tell your neighbor you have the power of choice god gave that to you john 16 verse 22 now let me give us the background just stay here jesus from john chapter 15 you know where he says i'm the vine you are the branches okay and then towards the end he started telling them about the things that will befall them and then continued in John chapter 16. And Jesus now saw that they were sorrowful because of what he was sharing with them. And then when he got to this point, he now says to them, Therefore, you now have sorrow, but I will see you again and your heart will rejoice and your joy no one will take from you. Praise the Lord, somebody. The one who said hallelujah already caught the revelation. Because God, my third or fourth point, is that God has given you the power to keep your joy. You need to say that to yourself. God has given you the power to keep your joy. This joy, he says, and your joy, no one will take from you. I think there's a uh, translation that says no one takes from you. No one has the power to take your joy. Nobody has the power to steal your joy. If your joy is lost, it means that you gave it away. Are you in this house this morning? If you don't have joy, 
it means that you ceded it to the enemy you just gave it to him you know i was just meditating yesterday we're always talking about the devil the bible says in john 10 10 he says the thief comes to steal to kill and to destroy i call it skg so that i don't forget to steal to kill and to destroy but jesus said but i have come that you may have life and have it how more abundantly do you know that the devil is just fulfilling his purpose he's just doing what he's supposed to do that is his assignment that's his job why are you so much interested in what the devil is doing when you should be concerned about what you are doing with the authority that God has given you praise the Lord somebody but you're focusing on the devil he's doing his job why can't you mind your own business your business is to rejoice in the Lord again I say what because Jesus already told you that nobody has the power to take this joy from you so if you lose it you gave it that's what it means nobody has a right no circumstance has the power it has not been given to keep your joy away from you but if you don't know you will go around saying the devil the devil will be like ah they gave me work it's my work i'm doing you face your own now you have the power tell yourself i have the power God gave me the power you didn't give it to yourself I gave you the power to keep your joy your joy is yours it is yours God gave it to you I need to drum it inside somebody's head God gave you that joy don't give it to the enemy don't let him take it from you the joy is yours nobody has the power the devil doesn't have the power to take it from you somebody upsets you then you lose your joy for the next one week or two you have just given them power over you something that God gave you that you should guard jealously the Bible said Jesus for the joy that was set before him what did he do he endured the cross he despised the shame and what happened now he's seated at the right hand of God hallelujah somebody for the joy that was set before him how did Jesus do it Hebrews 12 Please go to TPT and then we'll look at the message. How did he do it? That's what you need to study. How Jesus did it. Because Jesus is our joy. Hallelujah. Jesus is our joy. He says we look away from the natural realm. And we focus our attention and expectation onto Jesus. Who birthed faith within us. And who leads us forward into faith's perfection. His example is this. Because his heart was focused on what? Let's read now. His heart was focused on the joy of knowing that you and I would be his. What did he do? He endured the agony of the cross. He conquered its humiliation. People speak to you rudely. Then you lose your joy. One little thing, your joy is gone. <sighs> but the son of God was insulted. The son of God was slapped. The son of God was bruised. There was nothing they didn't do to the son of God. Yet Jesus kept you before him. He kept that joy. He kept looking at it. So when they came, Bus, Bas, whatever they did to him, he was focused. He kept going. Some would be here. He would jump and pass. Because he knew he was going somewhere. What is the joy that you've set before you? 
Have you set Jesus before you? Have you set eternity on your mind? So that no matter what the devil brings your way, you tell the devil, ah, hey. He said, you just ask me, are you not tired? I will not give in. Be sober, be diligent. For the devil, your adversary, the devil, what does he do? His job. He's doing his job. Going around, going about, seeking whom he may devour. But what are you supposed to be doing? You, in our says, go to message now. New King James says, looking unto Jesus. But go to message. Let's read it together. It says, keep your eyes on who both began and finished this race we're in. Study how he did it. Because he never lost sight of where he was headed. That exhilarating finish in and with God. He could put up with what? Anything along the way. Cross, shame, whatever. And now where is it? In what? Right alongside? And that's where God is taking you to. To the place of honor. Because Bible says that God has made us sit together with him. We're seated together with him in heavenly places. You are far above principality and power. Do you know that whatever is under Jesus is under you? Because Jesus is the head of the church. We are his body. So if they are under his feet, what part of him are you? They're under your feet. The devil is under your feet. He can't take anything from you if you don't give it to him. He can't take it. What you don't give to him, he can't take. We'll round up soon. You have to keep your joy. Tell yourself, I have to keep my joy. I have to keep my joy. Tell yourself, I have to keep my joy. Jesus gave it to me. I have to keep it. I can't lose this joy that he gave me. You can't lose the joy that he gave you. You cannot lose focus. Listen, let me give you four reasons. Four reasons why you must keep your joy. Number one is that it shows that you are a part of the kingdom. That's number one. It shows that you are a part of the kingdom of God. When you have this joy. Because your righteousness is not complete without peace and joy. Alright? Because that is how we attract people into the kingdom. If you don't have joy. What is it that somebody is looking forward to? I think it was um, the Buckleys. The American couple that came to talk to us. They said they were telling some, you know, they were trying to market their departments. And somebody stood in church. They were trying to get workers. And somebody said, ah, children's church, eh? If da, 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 da. I said, oh. You have already told the people that they shouldn't come to children's church. Because you're telling them about the woes. So if you don't have joy, you can't even preach the gospel. And if you preach, nobody will come to you. Because uh -uh, if you're telling me how good your God is, I have to see it on your face. Hallelujah. I 
have to see it. I'm not talking about seeing, not car, not anything. But I have to see the joy of the Lord. You have to be walking and be bouncing. The other day, Ahmed came for choir rehearsals and he said, I walked from Banex to this place. We said, ah, Ahmed, you didn't want to spend 250. He said he just felt it was ridiculous. What's the big deal? I'm walking. And he came here very excited. When he came, he raised prayer. All of us started praying. The joy of the Lord is your strength. This joy guarantees you what? Strength. You're strong. Not because you, you go to the gym. Not because you know how to lift weights. But because you have the joy of the Lord. So it strengthens you. So instead of you to be weak, you're strong, you're vibrant. You're all over the place. It's not by might, it's not by power. It is by the spirit of the Lord. Yesterday I went to join the prayer. After choir, I waited, I joined the prayer. While we were praying, and I was tired, and I was waiting on the Lord. While we were praying, I saw that, you know, oh my God, the Holy Spirit knows how to strengthen you with might. I was praying, next thing I was just moving like bulldozer. By the time Pastor Ivara now ended the session of the prayer in tongues. That was when he dawned on me that it was not my strength that carried me. Because as soon as he paused, I was weak, I almost fell, I had to sit down. There's something that happens. When the Lord takes over you, you will find yourself doing things that you could not do. I told you people some time ago, two years ago, how that I wanted to pray and that particular day I was weak. I said, Jesus help me. I said, Lord, strengthen me with might through your spirit in the inner man. And I began to pray in my living room. By the time I finished, I was wearing my feet beat. I checked, I'd done 11,000 steps. And as I finished, I slumped on the chair because... Once I finished, my own strength returned and he couldn't even help me stand. The joy of the Lord is your strength. The joy of the Lord is your strength. It guarantees you strength. This joy brings healing. Bible says that a merry heart does good like what? Medicine. Proverbs 17, 22. It says a merry heart does good like medicine, but a broken spirit, it dries the bones. So tell somebody, rejoice. Rejoice. Rejoicing will help your healing. It will help it to spring forth. It's been proven that cancer is associated with prolonged anger or chronic anger, bitterness, and all, you know, all kinds of diseases. And then I just found out that another name for loss of joy is depression. When you don't have joy, that is depression. Forget about all the names they're calling it. You just don't have joy. For somebody, maybe because uh, they say, I heard of one a young girl that went to do one surgery because she felt she was fat or one thing and then she died in the process. Come on, the Bible says that you shall be fat and flourishing. What is your own? You shall be fat and flourish. Did he say you should be leper? Where is he written? That you should be leper? Everybody wants to be leper, including me. But where is he written? The one that is written. Go and look for the scripture. Psalm 92, I think. Check 13, 14, I'm not sure. You should be fat and flourishing. Celebrate yourself. You need to work out. Work out. But don't kill yourself because you're fat. There's a size I can never get to. 
I've settled it. Go and see my mother. See my brothers as well, my sisters. Ah, I'm even the slimmest in my family. Kilode, disturbing yourself. Then you're not going to depression. Makawai. You now lose your joy because of the standards of men. Praise the Lord. Maybe check King James. Oh. Don't kill yourself. For what? Uh-uh. There are men who like fat women. What are we talking about? Uh-uh. Killing ourselves. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. They shall be what? Flourishing. When you come out like this, they know you're a thick madam. Come on. Abba. Oh yeah, you're chopping the money. Maka why? What is it? Uh-uh. We're killing ourselves. Depression. When you ought to be rejoicing. Oh Jesus, help us. The last one. With this joy, you will draw. Bible says that you will draw what? Water from the wells of salvation. When you have this Jesus joy, you will constantly draw. You will constantly draw. You will never lack. Ah. Why? With these few points of mine, I hope I have been able to convince someone this morning that you need to choose joy. That the joy of the Lord is your strength. That you must not allow the enemy steal your joy. Jesus gave it to you. It is yours. Tell yourself, it is mine. You've been listening to a message from the Father's Church. We are sure you've been blessed. We invite you to worship with us at Eden Center, Barnex Squarimpa Expressway, near Next Kashankari, Abuja. 9 a.m. on Sundays and 6 p.m. on Wednesdays. For telephone, 09-290-9000 or 0703-158-404. You can find us online at www.thefatherschurchonline.org God bless you